Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 43, Sunday, April 28th, 2019, and ladies and gentlemen, it is finally here, the interview with the brains behind Kron Harper. Yesterday I sat down with H.M. Devereaux and at the Skinny Polish, uh, who run the Kron Harper Instagram account, and we touched on a variety of topics ranging from the NFL Draft to the state of Marquette Basketball. But most importantly, we dove into the Game of Thrones episode tonight that airs episode three of the final season, and some of that uh, will be very timely, obviously. So um, in this episode, I'm going to quickly touch on some quick hitters and give you a little legal update on sports betting legalization before giving you guys this interview. It's a very long interview, but and, and fast forward to the end for the Game of Thrones stuff if it's timely and you're trying to get it in before the episode tonight, but... Um, besides that, hope you guys enjoy, and let's get to going. Yeah, buddy. Jeopardy James. He now has a 17-game streak. He's won over $1.275 million, and his average money won per game is $75,000, with a 97% response accuracy. For context, with that 97% response accuracy, they should be making him lay minus 3200 for fair value, for, for true odds. But he only has to bet even money on the daily doubles. So this is the perfect example of plus EV betting, and Jeopardy James is taking full advantage of it. It'll be really fun to see how far uh, this run goes for him. The NBA playoffs are starting to heat up. This second round has the potential, in my opinion, to be one of the best second rounds of all time. We have the Warriors and the Rockets uh, kicking off with Game 1 later today, probably around the time I released the podcast. Uh, the Nuggets and the Blazers are the other uh, series in the Western Conference. But in the Eastern Conference, we have the Bucks and the Celtics, who are actually playing right now as I'm recording this. I had a big position on the um, first half under in that one that is just about to cash right now. Wish I could have given that out in time for this podcast, but... Um, Bucks and Celtics, and then obviously the Raptors and the 76ers. Um, the Raptors already won game one in that series, but that's going to be a, an exciting one as well. So NBA playoffs is in full bloom, and hope everyone enjoys these next um, these next few series, the next couple weeks. It's going to be long, but it's going to be a lot of good drama, I think, uh, especially that Warriors and Rockets series. It's going to be for uh, some good viewing. The NHL playoffs. So... That's also going on, and I found this earlier last week, and it really illustrates how much more of a crapshoot the NHL playoffs uh, is compared to other sports. According to stats by Lopez, the best NBA team advances on average in roughly four out of five series. So that's 80% of the time. And as we know, there's seven games in a series in the NBA and the NHL, but how long would a postseason series need to be played in the other leagues to match the NBA's quote-unquote, better team advances rate of 80%. Well, the NFL, you would need an 11-game series um, that would be needed for to match the NBA's better team advances rate. In the NHL, it's a best-of-51 series. And in Major League Baseball, a best-of-75 series would need to be played. So obviously, we're never going to see that, but uh, just illustrates how much more of a crapshoot and uh, how many more, uh, I guess, repetitions or data points you need for the better team to prevail in the long run, 80% of the time. So I, I thought that was eye-opening to see. The NFL draft is officially over um, in Nashville this past weekend. Uh, we had some interesting storylines, obviously some questionable choices by the Raiders, especially with their fourth pick, and then the Giants with their sixth pick by going with Daniel Jones. But um, there's some really good takes by Warren Sharp on Twitter, who I've been, you know, I've been 
kind of tooting his horn this whole time since I've been doing all these podcasts, but check out his takes. I think I, I agree with everything I've seen him post, which usually is the case with him. But the biggest story, obviously, is in my opinion, is Arizona trading, um, trading Josh Rosen, drafting Kyler Murray at the number one pick, and then trading Josh Rosen to the Dolphins. But last year, the Cardinals drafted Rosen with a number 10 pick, and this year... Miami got Rosen and a fifth rounder in 2020 in exchange for pick number 62 in this draft. Warren Sharp put it best. Miami mauled the Cardinals in value here, um, all because people really didn't understand the context of Rosen's season last year. He had the worst pass-protecting offensive line. This is all according to, to Warren Sharp, but a lot of it was easily, uh, I guess, observable. But he had one of the he had the worst pass protecting offensive line, the worst rushing offense, a bad offense, offensive coordinator who was fired mid year, the toughest schedule of any rookie quarterback, and he really didn't have any wide receiver weapons to work with. So now Rosen, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's in Miami, and I think Miami really destroyed the Cardinals in this deal. And it's gonna be interesting how Miami proceeds moving forward. They're gonna be terrible this year. Um, obviously, they're like setting up uh, to get a top pick in next year's draft and draft uh, Tua um, or Herbert out of Oregon, but. I think they got a great deal here with Rosen, just only giving up that number 68 pick. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. They're going to be terrible, but it's just going to be a good chance for him, I think, uh, to get a new start in Miami. And I think they're doing things the right way down there, embracing the full tank as the Patriots have you know, the last few years in their Tom Brady, Bill Belichick window, and kind of just building assets uh, so they can be relevant and really good in two to three years. So I like what they're doing over there. The Kentucky Derby is this upcoming Saturday. The early favorite right now is Omaha Beach at around three and a half, four to one, depending on where you shop. Uh, right behind Omaha Beach are Game Winner, Roadster, Tacitus, Improbable, and Max- Maximum Security as your leading uh, favorites right now in the in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, they do the draw for the post that the horses will be in uh, midweek. So until we know the post positions, in my opinion, it isn't really worth taking a stab just yet. But I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, research and legwork this week on the, the Derby. The Derby Saturday is always one of the best sports days of the year, in my opinion, because there's always a, a big prize fight in boxing that same night. And it's Cinco de Mayo weekend, usually. And so in this uh, upcoming, this next episode I'm going to release later this week on the pod, I'll give you the Doggy Juice Derby picks, obviously, Horse racing uh, just does not provide the same edges or value that sports betting does. Paramutual wagering is a completely different uh, setup, but I'm going to dive more into that this week and at least try and spot where the sharper value is in the in the Derby coming up this Saturday. All right, let's now move on with a quick legal update on the status of sports betting legalization. We had some big moves in the Midwest this week, especially with states that begin with the letter I. Iowa uh, passed sports betting bill in the legislature this past week, and the bill is now on the governor's desk. Sports betting is expected to go live in the state of Iowa on the 4th of July. I think they're targeting that day for a specific reason, obviously. America. Indiana also legalized one right by uh, our home state of Illinois here. I see a little trend here. But Indiana also passed a bill, and that bill's on the governor's desk. And from what I'm hearing right now, um, they're looking at July 1st or August 1st as their start date in Indiana. And I was happy to see that they ended up going with mobile in that state because there was talks about them not going mobile. But here locally for me in Chicago, there was a hearing this past Thursday in downtown Chicago. Um, the, the, uh, the state uh, legislature was was off this past week, so they had the hearing up in Chicago, but they go back down to Springfield this week. There's a little break, 
And they discussed a few topics at the hearing, namely um, mobile wagering. And also there was representatives from uh, 12 of the 13, or they have one representative of 12 of the 13 Division I college, colleges in the state of Illinois come out in opposition of sports betting. And they're trying to argue that sports betting shouldn't be allowed on the campuses, which you know, for geofencing uh, purposes would be impossible or just way too expensive to implement. Uh, but at the very least, they don't want betting on Illinois teams. And I've been very, very uh, loud about my own personal beliefs on this. I think people are going to bet it regardless. I mean, I know they will. So it's way better to have the betting above board and regulated instead of unregulated, where people are going to go bet with their corner bookie or offshore on these college games. I think it's uh, just very naive to think that this betting would not go on. So it's way better to have the game above board and regulated, especially in the state, and also obviously provide state revenue. There's that aspect as well. So um, other than that, the hearing sounded like it was very productive and at least educating some more of the lawmakers. There were some anti-gambling groups um, that spoke as well, but I think it was a good good development for the state of Illinois. The legislative session ends uh, at the end of May. So they don't have too much time to get it done, but Pritzker did call for that $200 plus million in uh, sports betting-related revenue for the state in this fiscal year, or sorry, fiscal year 2020. So they obviously really want to get it done for him, and when you know the governor calls for it, there's a better chance that the legislature is going to you know, get it done. But at the same time, this is the state of Illinois that we're talking about. There's a lot of competing forces at play, so it's going to be very interesting to see how this develops over the next few weeks. This is a critical time. I've been saying it for a while, but... Hopefully Illinois gets this right. My fingers are crossed. All right, so it's finally time. Yesterday I sat down with the brains behind Cron Harper. We recorded for about 13, 15 minutes, and then we realized we had some technical issues where one of the guys was um, getting lost from the call, so we had to start re-recording. So bear with us at the beginning uh, because we kind of had to re-record what we already started. But otherwise, without further ado, here is the first official Doggy Juice Pod interview with Cron Harper. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that I have not one, but two very special guests on the pod for you. The gentlemen from Cron Harper Enterprises. Um, We have two guys, one by the name of H.M. Devereaux, and the other is at the Skinny Polish. How's it going, guys? It's good to have you on. Uh, It's great to be here, man. Long time. First time, long time, for sure. Yeah, thank you guys. I mean, thank you at Doggy Juice LLC for having um Cron Harper on. Yeah, the so, uh, I've always wondered the uh, the intro that we didn't hear just now is that uh, is that audio is that Rhinoceros House? That is. That's a song that I I made myself in college, and it's a, a quick snippet of it. It's actually a recording of a YouTube video because I don't have the. It's still on YouTube from the the TV show I did at Iowa, and it's. <laughs> um, the actual audio like link the file I have is on a computer that broke so all I have from that song that exists now is like that little snippet and I have to like edit out some talking like right before you'll hear when you listen to, like the 10 second clip I kind of like stop it really fast and there's talking in the background right before but that I is indeed Rhinoceros House yeah. I vividly remember you, uh, you driving to the Arlington horse track while we were in college and just listening to that on repeat for some Dude, reason it's, <laughs> It's a, it's, I really got to find the part where actually I sing Rhinoceros House. <laughs> I don't know if that exists. But you can YouTube uh, Incompetent Sports Talk on YouTube and you might be able to hear more of the song that way. But Should we um, re-record it like with a full band? 
Dude, I would love to. I would lo- um, my stepbrother, uh, Mike Silvestri, the guitar artist, obviously you know, uh, at the Skinny Polish, um, he he uh, he's offered to do like a like an updated recording of the song. But I might have to get the certain band called the Trolls to to look into it as well. Right. Chicago band. Ooh, so. I just I just found the Compton Sports Talk video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, won't, we won't get into that now. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry yeah, for, just, sorry for the uh, the beeline there. <laughs> I mean, there are no rules on this pod at all. So I just want to give a quick background, as you might know. Um, um, at the Fat Jewish stole stole our bit, you know, and so we're helping raise that awareness <laughs> right now. So at the Skinny Polish, I like it. So I, I want to hear everyone's. Everyone's probably curious to. Uh, well, first of all, let, let's let's plug Cron Harper. Um, it's for anybody listening. It's at Cron Harper on Instagram and. Um, whoever's not following has to be following after hearing this. Uh, it's in my opinion, the best, uh, the best stuff on Instagram out there, Chicago based, uh, you guys have anything to say about, about that? What you, how long you've been running it, what you're trying to do with it? Yeah. Cron Harper has been a, um, we've been running it for about four to five years. It's, um, your best source for esoteric Chicago sports related memes. Um, we, uh, got some celebrity fans, actual Ron Harper, follows us um once called one of our posts not funny but he recently called a post about how mrs incredible is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal (laughs) commented lol so we're back in his good graces um and we have shouts out um our third um cron harper member we recently expanded like a video production arm so shouts out um jr staff in denver i mean not in denver in colorado right on yeah it's a three-man team now um the uh i think one of the uh i think cried harper's kind of evolved to be more of a philosophy than anything else now um and yeah definitely what the skinny p was talking about is that we might not have as many followers as so- certain other meme accounts but the quality of followers ron harper daryl boston uh the first base coach of the chicago white Sox, <laughs> and Jack Dolan, the bass player of Chicago Darlings Twin Peaks, who actually we have a pretty good uh, back and forth rapport with. And we so also good. are now down to only 30% bots without vaping, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much most of our followers. Well, yeah, Doggy Juice, if you want to get more followers, that's a surefire way of doing it. I know you were talking about, um, you know, our private conversation, we were talking about how you don't like the fickle nature of certain social media accounts. About how they'll follow certain accounts will follow you just so you follow them back and then they unfollow so their ratios look better. But it's dirty. The, uh, if you hashtag vape, you are guaranteed to get some likes <laughs> at the very least. At the very least, expand but, on yeah. the vape. <laughs> I think yeah, if you, all the names are like at the vaping prince xxoo nine 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 nine. It's like it's like liquid cloud six nine six nine like shit like that. Dude, that's like I feel like sports betting. Like all jokes aside, like sports betting industry and the vape industry are very uh, interchangeable in, from the sense that like they're fucking growing and like look at medical marijuana and legalized marijuana kind of coming out in states at the same time as sports betting. So there's a little bit of carry over there so, capture both markets don't tell yeah don't say that we never taught you anything but uh that's how we, that's how the titans run this uh this social media game man hashtag vape hashtag vape so you guys mentioned i mean you guys bring the quality but you also bring the quantity i think you're 
just the, the stories every day. They're hilarious. They're very topical, especially right now with the, the NFL draft. So I gotta gotta give it to you guys. It's the best shit out there. Thank you. We gotta yeah, we gotta we gotta tip the cap to uh, to Jr. He does a lot of that stuff too. So yeah, we would be remiss if we didn't give the give the audio visual uh, audio visual liaison a shout out. Yeah, and I think too the you know just talking about you know the process behind Cron Harper LLC. You know the key to. A good sports meme is unlike, you know, I know we're going to talk about some Game of Thrones later. For like entertainment related memes, you got like a full week of mileage. But for sports, you have like pretty much a day, you know, because they're always yeah. the next game in the series or something. So you really got to hop on, you know, a half baked joke about Frasier. Or <laughs> that, um, really, you really got to like do it within 24 hours, which is always kind of a fun challenge. We sort of workshop some ideas in a group text. Um, or figure it out, but that's kind of the, the cool challenge about more sports meme related stuff. Well, so, I think so that's like a, I'm sorry to interrupt there, DJ, uh, but um, I think that's another like fun thing that we've kind of evolved to. It's just because we don't have that many followers yet. Um, at first, we were like running shit by each other, which like, hey, does this dank meme about how trap lords like Phil Mickelson does that does that work with you? But I think. We've all kind of given each other enough slack on the leash to just be like, yeah, I trust your judgment on dank memes. Run with it. So that's what I was going to ask that. Like, so how does the the process go? Like I'm posting new stuff. You guys just give full leeway to each other. You have that trust level right now. Or yeah. Or sometimes we'll find like a, uh, like a picture or some something that's like ripe for for memeing. And we'll just be like, <laughs> this has got to be something like how do we how do we cron harperify this? And a lot of times it involves, yeah, just uh, Frasier references. Yeah. <laughs> and or we'll, you know, sometimes Cron Harper is not necessarily G related content. Um, so sometimes we'll ask the group if it's too problematic <laughs> and, you know, a nice pushback and, you know, workshopping and stuff. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, we were thinking about a new, um, I guess, yesterday, LaShawn McCoy spoiled avengers endgame for all of his followers because i saw it yesterday and he tweeted out like the biggest spoiler in the movie so that's a thing we've been talking about is is it like um <laughs> you know lashawn mccoy is like spoiling citizen kane and like all these like <laughs> classic movies so we got we got some stuff on the horizon for all the fans at home that's what uh hm Devereaux was telling me uh, earlier he said that uh, that Shady McCoy spoiled that shit. I saw that um, that Matthew Barry went after him pretty hard on Twitter, <laughs> uh, which is good. So, so props to Matt Barry. And, uh, so, Cron Harper, obviously, it's a sports betting podcast, so I got to tie it in that way. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, the story that involves one of the the Cron Harper gentlemen, namely H.M. Devereaux. About six, seven years ago, uh, you two were living in a an apartment in Bucktown, and we were out there on a football Sunday. And uh, so basically we, we got to talking in the morning and kind of arguing about the games. And apparently there was like a survivor, you know, we we're on a survivor pool and I made the comment how, you know, most people should be taking the Patriots. And I guess, according to you, Mr. Devereaux, I was very gung ho about the Patriots that day. And they were, they were 16, 15 point favorites. It was probably, I think it was the biggest spread of that season and maybe even of the decade so far at that point. Um, it was 15, 16 point spread. Patriots were hosting the Cardinals. I believe it was week two. And we got to talking, you know, swinging our dicks around. And I, t- I said, oh, yeah, there's no way the Patriots lose. And then you asked just like classic, you know, arguments with uh, with younger guys come up. You, you asked me to back it up with my money. And you're like, OK, well, how about 200 bucks if the Patriots, uh, 
you, you give me 200 bucks if the Patriots lose, and I'll give you five bucks if the Cardinals win. And, and I remember just being like, you know, too much pride, being like, oh, yeah, no way. They'll be the easiest five bucks I ever made. And for anybody that remembers that game, it was the Steven Goskowski game where he missed the field goal at the end to win it, knocked everybody out of Survivor. I remember being fucking pissed off in your apartment and paid you that 200 bucks. But uh, so for me, it was kind of a watershed moment because I you know, realized, hey, I'm giving this guy 40 to one odds when I should be getting seven or eight to one odds. What's so, awesome, uh, what's awesome about that audio issue we had earlier is that we, I got to relive this story again. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking sucks. The best, the, <laughs> what I realized, too, is one of the ways that I could surefire, like, egg you onto taking one of those bets back in the day. Obviously, now you're much more astute gambler. So, you, like you said, you wouldn't take a 40 to 1 shout out. But one of the ways I remember selling you on it was I had $5 in cash on me, and I just gave it to you before the game. And I was like, here. Why don't you just take this now? Because there's no way I'm going to win. And I've realized I've done that a lot with different people where it's like these stupid bets that I always make where it's just like, you know, incredibly high odds on something that will never, ever happen. Just be like, okay, just take the money now because it will save us some time. But if it, if it, you have to give me the principal back plus the 7000 that you that you owe me is if uh, – Siwoo Kim wins all four majors this year. That's an effective way of doing it, though, because you like mentally already lost, so it's a free roll by that point. Some cost, right? my man. That's it. Some cost. So I'll never forget handing that two hundred bucks over to you, and then you bought like a Liverpool. I did. Yeah, we're, we're in New York City, yeah. And like, like we said before, you said you were going to nickel and dime me for the rest of my life, and I think you've done that pretty effectively. So I plan on continuing that. <laughs> it was truly a perfect moment in your guys' rivalry. Also. The time you guys argued about what was the oldest golf course in Chicago. Still, I, I still refuse to give up. It's a stupid conversation. 11, 3 a.m. Just not <laughs> like two, like the old man Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Cron Harper, I want to hear your guys' take on, on sports betting. Uh, obviously, this podcast is dedicated to sports betting. So I want to hear what your guys take is on it and what you like, what do you like to bet on? How long you've been betting? What are your favorite sports to bet? Uh, whichever one he wants to take that first. Yeah. I uh, think we, we talked about this, but the um, big, uh, big football better. And I think a lot of that goes uh, as a shout out to the, uh, the doggy juice pod that last uh, football season, college and, um, NFL. I think you had like your posted metrics were, you know, definitely over 50%, but I think it was closer to 60%. Best in the world. Hit rate. Best in the yeah. world last year in, in the NFL and college football. Yes. But that definitely, uh, I, I definitely cashed out uh, on my online account for sure up after football season. And, you know, I'm pretty good about taking breaks, but like we were saying, the uh, games that I'd already be considering watching because I support the teams involved in it. I make the mistake of, you know, disobeying the doggy juice commandment of betting on what I want to see instead of what I expect to see or what, you know, odds are suggesting that I'm going to see. But uh, if, if it's not that literally any person that comes out on the street, like it's hard to resist someone that says they have like a hot gambling tip, be it you or any literal person that comes up to me and says, hey, you should probably bet on, you know, X in this match or game. And it's like, you know, oh, he must know something that I don't. And so, you know, bet on that or, or just anything that, you know, strikes my fancy. But I am on a bit of a sabbatical right now. I love betting on golf. I, I lost a little bit of money on the Masters because I took uh, five or six guys, all of whom were, were in contention, especially Tony Finau on Sunday. But I, I like betting on golf a lot. And 
I use the example of um, the Bryson DeChambeau winning the uh, the John Deere a couple years ago. Uh, I had money on him, and I had won a like a pretty sizable amount because he had won. And so I consider that to be you know house money at this point. And when it comes to betting on golf, I've probably blown through most of that uh, you know in losses at this point, but. You know, you get such good odds on, you know, on players that are like middle of the pack, which, you know, a lot of times come down winning it. So if you if you spread twenty dollars out between four or five players, you got a good chance of making four or five hundred dollars if one of them has a good week. Right. Especially like on Sunday, just having one or two of those guys in contention and then you can maybe maneuver from that point and bet the live odds and stuff. I, I, I've said like golf betting is absolutely the way of the future. I think golf and, and uh, esports is going to be the huge the growers the next few years but uh i know i'd be curious i'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious maybe later in the pot or, or whenever but uh i'd be curious to know your strategy on on that sort of on the, the golf betting and i can give you an example of what i'm asking about but we could we could talk about that later no i mean no time like the present so my i guess my question and then we can get the skinny peek and give his uh his gambling takes in a second here but what would i all right so let's use the example of the masters right so i had um tony finau right so he's uh, the final group on Sunday, you know, I tied for the lead, I think, on Sunday before the, the round starts. And so I had I think I had 40 to one or 50 to one odds on him. Mm-hmm. I put ten dollars down to win five hundred, I think. OK, um, so with that in mind, you know, like it, it, I think Molinari, obviously Tiger won, but Molinari on Sunday was looking like he just wasn't going to make a mistake. He had bogeyed one hole throughout like 72 holes right. um, prior and I mean, what would your strategy be there? Obviously, I didn't do anything because I just wanted to let it ride. But the um, smart money would be to, to hedge that out by betting on who Tiger Woods or Molinari, just spreading it out between the final group there. Also, like that's the issue. I, I actually kind of did do this because the problem is when you're hedging, you have to make sure you cover all your bases. So you can't just like hedge on one golfer. You can easily lose both bets in that scenario. Um, the probably the easiest way to work around that is some sites. I know like five dimes. They offer two ways on both golfers. So even like I, I remember early on in the day, I was able to hedge because I had Fino as well, and I also had a ticket on um, on Kepka. So I was able to take, and this is a bit of a risk, but I took Tiger and Molinari versus the field uh, on Sunday morning when the day started. I think I laid like it was like minus one thirty five or something. Maybe it was a little bit higher. It's like minus one sixty five on them. So that was able, you know, it was either one of those two, or if Kepka or a Fino won, that I would have been good. But obviously, at the end of this particular tournament, you saw guys like Cantlay. And those other, like, uh, who else made a late run? I think there's another guy, even DJ, I think, towards the end was making a run. So the problem with golf is there's all those guys that can come in on the back nine and win. And if you're hedging, you know, so to speak, like that Tiger and Molinari bet, could have lost it all. So I think it's really delicate. But, like, if you get creative with, like, like round matchups or, like, you can even find places where you can bet the player, the golfer's score over under a certain amount, I think that's probably the best way to do it. But So I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much just stuck to, like, straight – betting on players to win right and do you uh do you i mean you you fool around with like the the matchups and like you know x versus the field a lot the, for matchups like versus the, like to win or like matchups like golfer versus golfer mm-hmm. yeah i mean like uh yeah golfer versus golfer either yeah, I guess. that's that's the best value my problem is i just don't know how to spot i'm trying to learn how to spot the value but i you know i i don't like do numbers or anything with golf so i can't spot the value myself if anything i'm just like listening to expert opinions on golf and trying to learn that way and trying to dive into it but like matchups is definitely the best value i, I do know that much because betting the futures market in golf is like 
you're, you're just getting scraped out of value. You should be getting like better odds usually on almost every other golf, every golfer you're going to bet on. And I think too, like, so golfers, obviously when it comes to like world rankings and stuff and like, obviously golfers are in it to make, you know, as much money as possible. Like world rankings, I think are pretty highly correlated to the amount of, you know, winnings that you have, because if you finish towards the top of the leaderboard, obviously you're going to make more money. But the, um, but like betting on a favorite to win, like, so for instance, I think like McElroy, Dustin Johnson, whoever else were like the favorites to win at the masters or at any major, they'll, they'll be the favorites because they're top hop, high up on the, uh, you know, the money rankings and the world rankings. But I feel like if you look back and see how many tournaments those people have actually finished in first place in, I mean, it, it's, Oh yeah. It's bad. Bad odds. Bad odds. Betting on the favorite to win at a tournament. I mean, you get what, like eight to one's going to be the favorite to win the next major or the next, you know, any tournament, right? Yeah. It'd be like eight to one would be the, the odds. Right. No. Yeah, that's true. And like, that's why you mentioned it earlier, like some of those middle tier guys where you can find like 40 to 50 to ones is almost always, if you're going to find any value in the futures market, I think that's where you're going to find, you're not going to get it. Like I think Brooks Kepka is like nine to one to win the PGA championship next month. And like the dude's been incredible in majors and stuff, but you're not getting any value betting him at nine to one to win. Dude, fucking, I fucking hate Brooks Kepka <laughs> for, for literally no reason. I have no reason to hate him and I just don't like him. <laughs> Uh, what, so what about you, Skinny P? Um, uh, you're, uh, so I would say probably of my um, sports gambling, a little less seasoned as you guys, um, but I'm excited um, for the listeners at home. HM Devereaux, Doggy Juice, and I have a um, fun Vegas trip coming up. Um, mm. But I would say for my um, sports gambling of things I like to do, you know, I've always enjoyed – I'm not saying I'm good at these bets, but of um, doing – um, a lot of futures bets, you know, cause I think there's something cool about, you know, I love, I would say futures betting on NFL football because there's something really cool about, you know, in the off season, seeing how, you know, a team is assembled from, you know, free agents to the draft to, you know, what happened the season before to inform it, you know, and sort of, you know, pick really what you think is going to happen. And then kind of the excitement of watching it all, play out, you know, over the course of a season, you know, after you got that bet in, you know, um, you know, maybe over the summer, you know, I think there's something a little sort of romantic and wistful for that. Obviously, like I always pick the bears to like win the Super Bowl or something. So it never really pans out, but you know, I definitely like that. And then I've always enjoyed prop bets, you know, especially with NFL two of, you know, um, you know, first person to score a touchdown, you know, cause all that stuff is so sometimes unpredictable um and so exciting and kind of that tension of you know who's going to score first or you know what's going to happen on defense so i always kind of enjoy those um bets that are almost you know either that immediate payoff or sort of that long-term play is always exciting because you get to have that you know sort of in your back pocket all season long like a big ticket right it's like a lotto ticket in your pocket that you can cheer on the whole season yeah, so that's that's a little bit more my style. Um, but you know, of course, I'm looking to looking to expand my my portfolio eventually. Sure. So, so you, dude, speaking of the uh, that the, I'm sorry to interrupt. Speaking of that uh, um, Vegas trip that we're going on, so like uh, a big time online gambler as yourself, Doggy Juice. Like, what what kind of bets would you be more inclined to make in person in like a sports book setting? Well, so what I'm looking to do there because in in Nevada, like you have to register. Um, for mobile, but I'm definitely looking to get the apps so I don't have to walk up and like bet in person. But there's something fun about going in, in person. Yeah, that's happy fun. Yeah, exactly. So, like, for me, the issue is just they could change the odds without you knowing, especially if you're in a situation where you're like standing in line to let some other people bet and like, and the line could change on you. And by the time most people get to the 
to the you know to the ticket counter to make their bet, they're kind of going to accept whatever the odds are of whatever bet they're going to make. But for me, like literally, if I'm not going to get the number I'm trying to bet, then I'm just going to stay off completely. So I think that's like the big issue with betting in person. But there's something fun about like going in physically and, and placing, you know, like actually having the cash in your hand, handing it over to the the ticket writer and then getting the ticket. I think that's like something you can't replicate via mobile. So they'll be fun to do that in a few weeks. Did you say that you, um, I remember that I think the last, maybe the last time we were in Vegas or maybe it was before then, but when you bought a ticket for the 2016 for the Cubs to win the world series, did you, yeah. did you just like get that ticket? I still actually have a couple of them and I still have not cashed them. And you actually have, so I have, I've learned this because like, I've been worried about being able to get my money and it's not a big ticket. So it's for me, it's some, you know, I'll frame it or if anything, but I think it's like stuck inside like a novel right now. It's like a bookmarker, but, um, (laughs) but, but I think they give you like four to six months, the writing on the ticket, but this is actually an important PSA because I've heard some operators say this verbatim. Um, if don't be worried about the, the actual fine print on the ticket saying that you have to, cause you could send it in and have them send you the money via mail. But if it says three to six months or whatever it is, don't be worried about if it's past that time. They usually honor the ticket past the date. So if you are holding a Cubs 2016 World Series ticket, I know that's a bit late now. It's been over two years since they've since they've won that, but uh, two and a half years now. But you still might be able to get a, someone to cash that. But I'm, I'm something I'm not looking to do. It's like my Groupon accounts. I have uh, I never cashed in this hot dog deal I have, but I'm still entitled to nine dollars worth of hot dogs. And uh, <laughs> I'm not leaving the premises unless you take me away. So, I, so I know I asked this before we got they had the audio issue on the previous one, but for sports betting in general, you guys feel like um, it's something that you're more likely to bet what you want to see, and also like are you more likely to make a bet on a game that that you're going to be watching, and or are you like open to the idea of in the future, like betting on a game that you've, that you're not going to watch. Yeah. And I think I, I touched on that earlier too. If anyone comes to me, literally like a homeless man can come up to me as I'm walking down the street and be like, Hey, take Xavier minus seven. I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm doing that. Um, so that, that like a, a game that I wouldn't normally be interested in watching, obviously if I have some sort of money on it, that would make me more inclined to be very interested in it. But yeah, I, I definitely bet on, I haven't done it recently, but you know, a couple weeks ago, I went to the White Sox game, a game that they lost. I was like, well, I'm going to be there. I might as well lay 50 on the White Sox. And they are always underdogs, so you get a nice little number on it. So, right. yeah, it, re- it really depends. But like I said, pretty much all the football games, NFL games, um, and then, you know, golf. And I'm, I'm watching that sort of thing normally. No, I, mean, I think that's like the number one best thing about legislation. Now it's states entering the fray is like you could actually go do that now, like legally, like even before a game, like – I think later this year it'll be a big upset if you can't go like legally place a physical wager, even do it on your phone before a Bears game to watch it. So uh, the, those days Illinois? are near. Where's Illinois at? And like I, I just saw that Iowa Illinois. and Indiana are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Iowa and Indiana have um, have bills on the governor's desks. Uh, Iowa's going live July. It's, they're supposed to go live Fourth of July, and then uh, Indiana they're looking at July first or August first. Illinois they had a big hearing on Thursday, which at the beginning of this pod you'll hear I'm touching on that, but um, they're the legislative session ends on May 31st. So that's the date they have to get it done by, but I think they are going to get it done personally because Pritzker called for it in his budget, basically $200 million from licensing fees of new operators. And um, so I I think it's going to happen. They're just like ironing out the details right now. I know they go back down to Springfield this, this upcoming week. um, So like, are these going to be like brick and mortar, like storefronts? Like where, where would you be able to like go to like, so yeah, 
so that's the big argument right now. Like it's definitely gonna be brick and mortar hundred um, percent. And basically casinos, you know, like the usual suspects will be places that are going to apply for a license in Illinois. Of course they're you know, get, getting into a tangent here, but like Illinois is going about it, in my opinion, the wrong way by, by trying to get too much for licensing fees. So it's just gonna be the big players that have um, licenses, but then they're allowed to have at least what they're talking about right now, a skin license, which means you can get, an online operator like a DraftKings or a FanDuel to come on site and set up online through that existing brick and mortar. So you have to have a license for the brick and mortar, and then you license with the other companies to get the skin license to offer the mobile betting. So you'll you'll have a situation where if they go through with this and, and actually do mobile wagering, where you might have to go in and register in person, and then you'll be able to bet online from that point, or you might be able to even just bet online right off the bat. But that's that's the big argument right now is whether or not they should allow mobile betting in Illinois. So like at the like when this eventually passes, right? How how many would you say like storefronts or like physical places to go to bet? Like, do you imagine seeing in Chicago? That's probably like I would say any existing. So Arlington Racetrack, I'm sure will be like one of the players for a license. The other racetrack down south, uh, the casinos, obviously. Yeah. Well, rivers nearby but besides that right now i there's a lot of uncertainty with that like you know me like what i would love is for it to be like the european setup and you get like every street corner like a 7-eleven you can go place mm-hmm. a bet but i don't think it's going to be that simple at least at the start but i'm hopeful that like you know a few years from now that's the way of the future but i think just starting like this year the usual suspects like rivers casino um uh, the Arlington racetrack, but I can't think of any other like guaranteed places. In Chicago they, I mean, did they say to like, why wouldn't you be able to do it at like the United center or like at the soldier field? That's that. So that's a huge issue. Right? So some States are allowing that like DC, obviously not a state, but they, they have their lottery system running it and they're actually going to allow you to be able to make wagers in the stadiums there. Some States are arguing against the stadiums, but you could like in New Jersey, um, you can wager in the stadium, Right now, so there's it really depends what they go with, but I think hopefully if Chicago or if Illinois doesn't fuck this up, you'll be able to bet uh, mobily from your phone in the stadiums. There won't be like any geofencing concerns or anything like that. But I could see a situation where you could actually go like to kiosks. I actually just heard today that uh, in DC they're trying to install the kiosks on site where you can actually make wagers on site. So. So that's it's definitely it's possible. I would love that, except I would lose a lot of money doing that. <laughs> right, that's the problem. I know, but the owners want it too, obviously, because it's just more you know more revenue. People are already at the game, mm-hmm. so it's and as we're talking, people are going to bet what they want to see, and it's going to be great revenue. They got to listen to that doggy juice pod, man. Got it. Got to get it going. But I think I'm hopeful that eventually they'll they'll do it. But um, so yeah, so let's jump in. I want to touch on. Um, the skinny Polish at the skinny Polish, you're an Iowa guy, just like me, you're a Hawkeye. Um, obviously we have the NFL draft going on. So mm-hmm. kind of want to hear your take on, on Iowa football, the state. So as, as we know, Iowa football is really good every five years. Oh, yeah. um, it's like, this is how it is. So like 2009, we had the orange bowl year right after we graduated. Um, and then we had 2015, 2014, we had the, the Rose bowl year. And so we're, that means logically Iowa's going to be really good either next year or the year after and, you know, getting, losing two tight ends in the first round of the NFL draft is not going to help. But, but, uh, at the skinny Polish, what do you think about the state of Iowa football right now? Um, you know, I, number one, I, I think the state of Iowa football is, you know, in a really good spot because I think after such a long time, um, Ferens and especially, 
his younger, his oldest son, you know, have actually kind of like changed a little bit of the face of the, the program. Obviously, we're never going to be, you know, the most, you know, exciting um, college football team um, with like the highest, you know, putting up the most points. But it's an understatement think, of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've, you know, changed some of like the actual cultural things too. And something that I've noticed too is this is like really, really small, but they really have like amped up their video production team that makes like, you know, awesome like training videos and stuff. And like, I feel like the players are more engaged and it just seems like a more fun place to play. And I think it's actually sort of showing with the, um, the product on the field. I'm kind of curious, um, doggy juice too, of like you mentioned the idea of the sort of five year Iowa swing. It's kind of because the players, you know, we don't get too many five-star recruits. They're kind of like built up, you know, through the strength program. And then you have all these star players really show out. But then I kind of think that what was supposed to be the peak in the next coming years, we really needed Hawkinson and Fant for that. Mm-hmm. And I would have no problems with their success. You know, they should have gone to the NFL. But I think, you know, we're almost going to take a step back next year. Um, besides a couple of the Tristan Wirfs dude, who's a really stud lineman, who's probably going to be a first-round draft pick someday. Um, I don't really know necessarily if they're going to have – the best season next year. Um, Always optimistic, but I think Nate Stanley is, um, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's also not really that good. And obviously having two first round tight ends who are both, both going to be total studs um, really helps with that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's almost like everything is hinging on Stanley kind of like for the bears (laughs) where everything hinges on Trubisky, but like for, I want to buy in for this next year, but my big, concern is stanley and as you said we're losing those two tight ends but you touched that like brian ferentz coming in he's finally injecting that like that new wave like new way of of coaching like more aggressive on offense actually incorporating the receivers more and like being more just just less bone dry for lack of a better term like iowa football is like the most boring shit to watch but it's like our identity you know like i don't ever want iowa to lose that identity as like a really good defense you know get good linemen corn-fed boys like if i was a, a running back and like a like a five star running back, I want to go run behind the Iowa Cornfed boys. Yeah, and, uh, and I think people sometimes forget too that Brian Ferentz was the tight ends coach of the Patriots when Gronk and um, <coughs> Aaron Hernandez had their. Um, Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about the product on the field, but I think he's <laughs> almost kind of like instilling that. Um, it's a molder of minds. <laughs> yeah, of uh, the sort of Patriots, not the Patriots way, but kind of almost having that like two tight end attack which is pretty cool um and also aaron hernandez's older brother used to be a quarterback's coach at iowa so the aaron hernandez pipeline is strong (laughs) i actually didn't even know that um but no yeah i I agree with everything you said it's like this year i don't know it's too early like offer prediction right now but like i mean what if you're going to consider it a successful season this year what would you what would need to happen um i would think that we'd actually need to um uh, I don't know. Like, I, I would think we would need to win all the rivalry games at least. Um, and I think that's pretty much the expectations, to be honest. Um, maybe like, you know, a nine and nine and four season, you know, I think would be, be would be cool. You know, hopefully win another bowl game. Um, yeah, nine and four with a bowl game would be nice. Yeah. Roselli, do you have any, um, you know, not to, I mean, sorry, doggy juice. Um, not, not to make sure my fantasy rival um, HM Devereaux doesn't hear this, but um, do you have any thoughts on 
you know, for fantasy, for Hawkinson versus Fant, you know, if Hawkinson was drafted by the Lions and Fant went to the Broncos, um, Doggy Juice, do you have any predictions of who's going to have the better, like, so, fantasy year for the rookie year? So, our, I don't know if you guys want my fantasy advice, but they're the... Um, I don't. Hawkinson, Hawkinson uh, like, I feel like, what's his name? The Lions coach, uh, Patricia, is, like, dead set on finding that Gronk prototype, you know, just because he's trying to, like recreate the Patriots with, with the lions right now. And mm. I think like, you know, that organization seems to draft the tight end like every three or four years. So there's like nothing schematically or with anything they run that gives me like a lot of optimism about Hawkinson, but there's no doubt he's going to be involved. And same with the Broncos, like they don't have any tight end for Flacco to throw to right now. They don't really have any besides Emmanuel Sanders, like who does even have his weapons. So mm. I think there is going to be opportunity for either one when they enter, but like there's obviously going to be the, the early like, Difficulties with like reassimilating or assimilating the NFL and everything. So I don't know. It's hard to predict. Who was the Lions? Who was the Lions tight end last year? I can't even think of it. E- Ebro- no, not Ebron. He left. Ebron um, was, like sucked on the Lions too. Yeah, because he was. Was he on the Colts all year? Or did he get traded midseason? Yeah, he was on the Colts all year. Because I remember they were talking about him and that other uh, Jack, um, whatever, uh, vying for the yeah. Andrew Luck stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Oh yeah, Jack Doyle. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who the offhand of the Lions tight end was last year. I think just I've always yeah. I've always assumed that it's Tony Scheffler. I think he played for the Lions last time in like twenty twelve, but he seemed like he was always the Lions tight end. Yeah. <laughs> well it'll be interesting. Either way, like it's good having like it's safe to say that like no division one college is gonna have two tight ends drafted in the first twenty picks of any draft ever again. Like oh, I just sure. can't see that ever being the case, but um, speaking of the NFL draft, though, locally, the Bears, uh, obviously no involvement in the first two rounds after the Mac trade, but interested to hear your guys' takes. Obviously, it's still going on. I don't even know if they've made their fifth-round pick yet, but um, do they, they have a fifth? I think No, yeah, the, the Raiders have our sixth, right? So the Bears got, last night they drafted um, uh, a running back out of Iowa State, Montgomery, and then today, this morning, they got uh, Riley Ridley, Calvin's little bro. Georgia mm-hmm. Bryant was it's a dog party, Georgia players. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they got him in the fourth round this morning. Do you guys have any early takes on that, Go, going the position or the skill position route? Well, I mean, speaking of the, the draft, I, I just want to know if the doggy juices amended his uh, take on not liking the Khalil Mack trade from last year. Has that changed at all? So I think I touched on this a little. Like it's – for me, I, I'm not going to like overreact to like the Raiders screwing up their pick. I also feel like when assessing the draft, you can't put in for like the, the subsequent decision making that the Raiders would make or shitty decision making at that potentially. Um, so I think like just judging off that pick, I, I'm more inclined to think it's like the Bears gave up. They obviously got Mac and they got a second rounder next year. And then I think they got a conditional pick next year, too, in the fifth round of the Raiders. They got two first rounders and a and a third rounder for the Bears. So like, and the you Bears still think that's you still think that's too much to give up for Khalil Mack? Right, like Khalil Mack's um, it's obviously not. I mean, Mack hits, and the Raiders getting two first rounders to be able to project them to even be anywhere near Mack's level, I think, is silly. But at the same time, the Bears paid Mack, so it's like they did a it was like a double whammy. They gave up a lot of their future, which I think we're going to actually feel the hit on this, the next couple of years, not having a first rounder. And it all is predicated on Mac's health, but like we paid him too. 
So not only do we give up all of our draft picks, we also gave him a shit ton of money that we can't pay towards other players. So I think it's it's almost like a double whammy. But obviously, like the way he played last year was worth it. I'm more worried about like two years from now. Yeah, well, Doggy just have to be in the minority. Though. What yeah. was that? You have to be in the minority of that take, though. Oh, I have, oh of course. Who, who would not be thinking that? I mean, who would not be in the pro Mac camp right now after the year he had? But like, that's just one year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, talk, like two years from now when they have two first round picks on their rookie deals and we're paying Mac, you know, whatever the fucking contract is. And if he gets injured or something, then it's pretty clear that we lost the deal. So it's, it's too early to really judge it right now. I'm just, I'm worried about Mac's health. Well, I think the thing that offsets it too, of, you know, what we were talking about earlier is you know, truly is the draft. And obviously like pace has had some misses, but as far as really getting, you know, so much value out of mid round picks, you know, he's been pretty good. So you know, I think of trusting him to, you know, especially of, you know, Cohen and Eddie Jackson. And, you know, I, I think that'll, you know, that'll help mm-hmm. ideally. And, you know, I was um, HM Devereaux and I were at the uh, Sox game last night. Shouts out Tim Anderson. And um, <laughs> I, was, city. I was looking to see who we drafted and I like essentially kind of like squealed in delight because obviously I don't I don't rock with that. Iowa cyclone, you know, shit, but David Montgomery is so, so good. And so he kind of reminds me of, you know, not for a lazy comparison, but obviously other David from Iowa College, kind of like David Johnson. David Johnson. Yeah. Um, where he can really catch, you know, he's super fast, he's super shifty, and he's like super sturdy. And um, David Montgomery was an Eagle Scout, I found out today. So he can also probably like tie a knot. Or no Hernandez like, shit there. Yeah, exactly. You know, provide CPR to like someone on the sideline, you know? Um, so, and I like Riley Ridley a lot too. look out for a Javon Wims, second year player out of Georgia breaking out to this year, but I'm, I'm feeling the draft so far. Uh, I'm a fan of it. It's, it's gonna be interesting to see. Like I, for me, I was always kind of critical on pace with the back trade too, because I feel like he was putting a bandaid over what he's kind of been fucking up the past few years, obviously like trading up to get Trubisky and that whole debacle but there's no doubt that he like made the team a win now team but this is the window now basically he was like all right i'm gonna make this trade i'm gonna save my own ass and we're gonna be better now but in three years from now when we have like you know not no no guys on the rookie deal from the first round the past you know two drafts that's gonna be an issue but gotta gotta kind of drink the kool-aid now i guess or you gotta just go for that you know if, if the bears were to you know someday win a super bowl you know i'd be I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be okay with that, right? And this is—it's like my uh, my college roommate Chris always said. Sometimes you just gotta suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good uh, it's a good segue. So obviously, uh, you guys want to suck my dick? Uh, um, so HM Devereaux, you're a Marquette guy and a big uh-huh. uh, you're a Big East hoops fan. Um, obviously, there was some big Marquette had a, a nice season this year for basketball. I mean. Um, just barely. I mean, I'm still heartbroken for you that you guys lost that fucking game at home when you could have shared the Big East title with with Nova. But um, you guys had a great year. Obviously, Howard was fucking amazing. But you had some drama after you lost in the first round to uh, to John Morant. Um, the Hauser brothers left the program, and now they're looking at schools like Big Ten schools to go to, to transfer to. If you were in a room alone with the Hauser brothers and you could do anything you want, no one would find out. Curious to know what you would do, Mr. Devereaux. Yeah, 
So, obviously, when the news broke about the Housers, I was pretty upset. And would it, would, after I just kept thinking more about it, I was more upset with Steve Wojciechowski, who, speaking of sucking dick, um, I think he <laughs> sucks some dick, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, if the, the more I'm learning about it is, like, you know, they weren't happy with the way that they were used because Marcus Howard's usage percentage was, like, through the roof. And, you know, he was like a second-team All-American. He's an incredible player. But he plays a position that he's, you know, he plays a point guard, but he's not a point guard. He's like an undersized two. And because Steve Wojciechowski insists on using him so much because he can shoot, um, I can see why the Hauser brothers might not been so happy with the way that they were used. So, I mean, to answer your question, I I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I would do with them. I would... Uh, <laughs> Ask them, you know, beg them to stay. But I think that decision's uh, that decision's already been made. They're going to fit. I mean, if they go to a program that has a good coach, like Beeline at Michigan or at Tony Bennett at, at Virginia, I think they're. I mean, they both have to sit out a year, and that, that kind of goes back to this. Like, he, they have to be really unhappy with the situation because Sam's a senior and he has to sit out an entire year, and then right. his, his Joey's a freshman. So I mean, I guess that that makes a little bit of sense, but. To go that length to leave this program, who is like a preseason top five with them on it, um, it just it, it's something stinks to high heaven. But yeah, it's almost like something's going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. And then you saw, I mean, like if you look at the uh, on Twitter, like there's people that left the program previously in this Wojo regime. <clears throat> no, the giant asshole Harry Froelang, who was a transfer. <laughs> from SMU a couple years ago. And then he left after one season and he fucking sucked. So I don't really give a shit, but um, after the Housers announced that they were leaving, like he um, did the thing with Twitter where like the tweet, the original tweets on the bottom and he wrote on top of it. And he's like, I, this is just like a testament to the program. It's not super weird that these guys are leaving, you know, something to that effect. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw on like whoever's in charge of the market social media account, like the basketball account has been doing a pretty good job of being like, Hey, this team's a family, you know, they've been showing the whole team, you know, on a, like events that they're, they had like an ax throwing event yesterday and they were playing kickball a couple days prior. And they're, they're really trying to bury this Sam Hauser, their Hauser brothers leaving thing. Um, I guess they did throwing an ax at a picture of Marcus Howard. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing too, man. He better be fucking awesome next year because they're going to have to go through him. But I, I, the more I think about it too, I mean, if they didn't want to be, you know, on the team, I, I wish them the best. It's like, if they go to Wisconsin, they're fucking dead to me. I, I'd have a different answer for you. <laughs> it's if, like they're like the front runner, right? Like it's almost got to be. I don't think they're going to go there. I think they're going to go. Um, well, first of all, like I don't know why they would go there right now because I can't name aside from Brad Davison. I can't. I don't think I can name any players on that team for next year. Um, and I don't think they're going to be particularly good next year. I don't know why they want to go to a team that wouldn't contend. Granted, Joey's got three years of eligibility left, so whatever. But um, I, I don't know why they would just not immediately put themselves. I mean, I think I saw Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Virginia, and then the Badgers. And I don't, of all those teams with the coaches especially, like Izzo, Beeline, uh, Tony Bennett, McCaffrey, why go to Greg Gard when you have those options in a system, you know, like a Virginia system, they would fit right into. I don't know yeah. why they would not go there. But I think it just comes down like what their 
what their goal is out of it. Like, are they trying to like gain exposure? Are they trying to have a good college experience or like learn from a good coach? Are they just trying to get more playing time? Yeah. I think they're trying to get more, I mean, more usage. It sounds like, I think, I mean, they weren't getting used and they were, I mean, studs. I don't, I don't know. Fucking Wojo. I think from that angle, it could be Wisconsin. I mean, if if there are, cause like a lot of players are leaving. I know uh, what's his name. Um, like this, the fucking star center, but anyway, he's, he's just leaving right now. Even half thing, yeah. and he's just leaving now. And um, and so there could be like some opportunity to, for the playing time angle in Wisconsin, but who knows? And again, you got to keep in mind it's not going to be this year; it'll be next year because they both have to right. Out. All right. Yeah, Juice, we're sure. having some laughs. We were having some laughs yesterday. Um, Devro and I of you know they have their pick of the litter to go to all these great programs that'll like be really you know, nice to them, probably like hosting them and trying to charm them. And then they just go to Iowa and Fran <laughs> McCaffrey's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> fucking red, red face Fran. <laughs> yeah. Just scaring them away. They're like, eh, Dude, for, like McCaffrey, like side note here. I've, I've heard about a podcast before, like a, like a Vegas podcast. He went on uh, Ken Thompson's his name. He does like sports X radio. Uh, shout out. But uh, he brings on McCaffrey like once a year on his pod. Super. I actually like really like Fran after hearing, him on that podcast but like he kind of he does irk me sometimes just as a hawkeye fan but i kind of have i see him through a new light when i hear him like talk about degenerate shit sports betting related shit. just it's just audio of him eating his blood pressure medication <laughs> <laughs> the, the franometer is that a 10 uh yeah, right, so, that to put a bow on it the houses are fucking temporarily dead to me but they're gonna be fully dead if they go to wisconsin and i think steve steve Bojahowski is on the hottest of hot seats right now so I think uh, I think he might be out the door next year if, if we don't get a tournament win. So so what do you predict for Marquette Hoops? Have you got any prediction for next year? Or is it just too yeah. early to, to tell? Yeah, I think they'll be um, – I mean, they were going to be a preseason top – I saw preseason top five. I saw one power ranking on ESPN that they had them two before Jesus. the Hauser news, which really just fucking sucks. Yeah, um, but I, I think – I mean, when you look at it, like we have – we didn't lose any other starters besides, you know, two of the best ones. But uh, we have Marcus Howard, the center, uh, Theo Johns back. Uh, We have a transfer coming in uh, who's going to be eligible from Utah State, who's like a true point guard. So you can move Marcus to like a two and, you know, this guy won't turn the ball over like Marcus did, hopefully. Um, I, I think, you know, realistically, probably like a top 20 team, hopefully. And then depending on how much Wojo wants to, you know, fuck the shit out of the program i mean i think they with the way that it's currently constituted i think they could win a or two tournament games depending on how they play in the season yeah i think like the big thing kind of like what you said about putting howard at the two is like that dude was clearly gassed at the end of the year i think kind of like trey young how he was at the end of the college hoops season last year Mm -hmm. and like he was so good at the beginning they just rode uh, rode him all season long to all that success but by the end it was just too much and teams also learned how to play it was like a double whammy and and Um, that goes back to this fucking wojo sit i mean he insisted uh on feeding him the ball in every situation when you have two hauser brothers who are incredibly good effective shooters that i mean that i think that just paints the picture of why they're leaving it's like why would you Uh give the ball to a gassed undersized point guard Right. So if they if they get a guy to handle the ball though, they could anything to take pressure off of him and you know having to get out of uh, full court presses and just yeah. run more and take care of the ball. If he could focus on being the scorer instead of like the ball handler, that was like the day that the season the season took a giant shit. It was when um, Greg McDermott just realized like, well, why don't we just run a full court press on that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, they turn the ball over thirty five times. Okay, I think, <laughs> I think I think the uh, I think the notes are out on this team. Right. Hopefully they'll get. 
they'll get some uh, some help though. But uh, Marquette hoops, so it's hard to like hate on them. I don't know. It's all, pretty, fucking, it's pretty fucking easy to hate on them. <laughs> I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, so the next thing I had on the list here, we kind of already touched on, was golf. I don't know if you guys have any other shit, but uh, one thing I wanted to hear your take, uh, since you're a big golf fan, uh, Mr. Devereaux, uh, do you think Tiger has any legitimate chance now of beating Nicholson's uh, major record? You mean Jack Nicholas? I'm sorry, Nichol- Yeah, Jack Nicholson, the actor's <laughs> major record. I think so. he's got zero, so I think Tiger's got that one. Um, so, uh, what's the what's the count at right now? I mean, how many? How many? Is it fifteen? Is it fifteen? Right? I, mean, he's 18, I think eighteen is the record, right? Yeah, I think he's at fifteen now. I so I mean, like this this year stacks up pretty. I mean, I was admittedly in the camp of people that thought that Tiger would never win ever again, let alone a major again. Um, but I think just the way that the the majors, even this year, set up, I mean, they have U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach and the PJs at Bethpage, two courses where he's won. Yeah, two courses where he's won. But that was, I mean, before he was, I mean, he was probably still addicted to pills at that time. So maybe um, maybe he should, I don't know. I think the answer is uh, no. <laughs> I don't think. It's, yes, I mean, it's, it's three more. I mean, it's like I would have thought if we were having this conversation even like, six months ago it'd have been like a hell no but now it's like shit he's done one yeah the guy's what 40 43 years old legitimately just you know if he's gonna be legit the next three or four years mm-hmm. he's gotta have at least a shot but that's so tough with the, the field there's so many damn good players now. i think um i think our guy lefty's got a chance to win it uh uh pebble Beach. he won at pebble beach earlier this year um hell yeah. it's oh, gonna yeah. be a u.s it's gonna be a u.s open setup but um I think the real bet that could be making uh, that should be getting made is that Mickelson closes the circle on the uh, career grind slam, um, and we can see that because uh, he needs Pebble to, Beach this year. He needs to win at Pebble Beach for that to happen. He's never won a U.S. Open. He's won or just U.S. Yeah, Open. Yeah, I think he's won three Masters, uh, the PGA, the British Open. So he, I think he's won the PGA twice. Um, but yeah, he's never won a U.S. Open. And uh, I mean, there's a fucking winged foot. When he takes this is this all goes bad. So why Mickelson's the best is because he just he doesn't go by the card. He's like he's the guy that pulls out driver on eighteen when he doesn't need to hit the driver on eighteen, and that's how he loses U.S. Opens. But <laughs> uh, Mickelson's a fucking man. I think he wins the U.S. Open this year, closes the circle, career grand, grand slam. Uh, so. Tiger wins, never wins again. <laughs> Betting what you want to see for five hundred. That's it, baby. <laughs> for five hundred, Alex. Uh, so, all right, so let's close out the, the one topic, and this one's very topical. Um, Game of Thrones. We have a big episode coming up on Sunday night, episode three of the season. It's going to be one of the biggest television events of all time, second to the, the finale that's coming in a few weeks from now. But obviously you can bet on this shit. That's what I'm concerned about is making money. And I do have some bets in play that I'll probably touch on here while we talk about this. Um, but let's go over – I want to go over some props on – that are episode three specific for this sun that you know tomorrow night will be in play, and then also some like season long stuff. Kind of just hear your your guys' takes on uh, on some of these. But so I think that uh, obviously anybody that watches Game of Thrones, spoiler alert: if you watch the show, time to turn off the pod. Or sorry, if you don't watch the show. Um, Why well, we should also say that to uh, set up, I enjoy Game oh, yeah. of Thrones, and HM Devereaux um, is not a fan. Right. So we're gonna. Perform. I would say I'm not a fan. I just don't. I just don't we're watch. Get it. Your take and I tried to watch. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I. Let's rewind the tape of how many times you've ever just said the dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
obviously shit's going to hit the fan. We have the longest battle scene in the history of film and TV uh, coming up this, this Sunday night. There's going to be a shit ton of deaths. So you could actually bet on, on people, whether or not they're going to die or not, which is pretty at, at places and uh, far away places you can get out on the ship. And I actually heard like, I forget which uh, operator it was. There's an offshore operator. He basically came out and said like, they're getting a ton of action from kind of hearkening back to people betting what they want to see. A lot of people are betting the nose on whether people are going to die or not, like a certain character, because they just, they're so emotionally invested in the character that they're betting no, mm-hmm. that they're, that they're not going to die this next season or sorry, this next episode. So there's been like potentially like value on the yes. So I want to hear maybe like your takes on, on the, especially for someone who actually watches the show at the skinny Polish. Um, well, hang on. Before this happens, so like I said, I, I've tried to watch the show. It just wasn't for me. Um, maybe, I, I guess I could use context clues here. I don't, I don't mind if you do some spoilers, but I mean, there's, uh, there's like a battle of good versus evil, essentially. Is that what we're leading yeah, up to right now? In a nutshell. Well, I would say, um, HM, you know that the um, sort of the general rallying cry of the show is winter is coming. And right, so, yeah, Red Wedding. The, yeah, gotcha. The, um, the, um, <laughs> the ice zombies, the White Walkers, um, the, those there were there are sort of ice zombies that were originally created by these like forest children <laughs> to help protect nature against mankind, so and they kind of want to wipe out humanity, and so they've always been sort of this ongoing threat, and they finally started coming south past the wall and now mm-hmm. they're headed straight towards the kingdom where all of our favorite characters are um mm-hmm. and the thing is that john snow and you know the um denarius the woman who rides the dragons with the cool hair and all these other with characters the they know that the the you know the whites and the the white walkers can be defeated with like swords and weapons made out of a certain material dragon so, glass they have, they're like they're prepared but i think um you know so um doggy juice my my theories is that like you know i think people have obviously grown accustomed to the show being super violent but i think that most of the show has always had the violence within these very like poetic like shakespearean moments and i find it a little hard to think that a ton of major characters are going to be unceremoniously murdered by, you know, CGI zombies. I think we're going to obviously see tons of like soldier fatalities. Um, but I think as far as main characters, um, biting the bullet, we're going to get a handful, but to think that essentially everyone's going down, I think would be a little unceremonious for the show. So I think unfortunately, you know, my bets would be for um, Brienne of Tarth to probably die because she had such a nice moment in the last um, episode. Yeah. And I think too of um, uh, HM Devereaux, there's this character um, who's named Theon, uh, Theon Greyjoy. Um, he's played by the so, actor that steals. So he steals. Um, like he's played by the actor that steals John Wick's dog. Oh, um, nice. So this, this dude's had a. He's had the, like extreme bouts of cowardice. He unfortunately had his dick cut off, um, <laughs> and he's just kind of a little bit of a lame. And so, 
needless to say, he volunteered to like do the most important job in the episode yeah. next week, which is kind of like sending, you know, Marquise Teague to you know, <laughs> like the USA dream team. So, but um, doggy juice, I think that's, that's my take is that I think everyone just assuming that, you know, they're going to, all the characters are going to die is um, I don't think it'll be all of them, I guess is what I'm, I'm thinking. That's a good point. I, so I, I'm of the belief that a shit ton of people are going to die, but I think you make a good point there in that, like they're going to uncer they're not going to do it unceremoniously. And obviously there's a few characters that just like almost have to make it. Like one that comes to mind is, is the mountain just because, or sorry, the hound, just because he has that inevitable battle against the mountain that you know is going to, is going to come. So yeah, the hound is actually at, at Winterfell right now, but I feel like he's a guy who's definitely not going to die next episode just because you, you know, he has that, that's that, uh, standoff, so to speak with his brother. With yeah. And but uh, I, dog, doggy juice. I would love to hear what you think. So friend of the pod, um, Asmodan of the trolls, his theory is that everyone thinks that, you know, the, the night King is the leader of the white walkers. Asmodan's prediction is that, um, he's actually night King is actually headed straight for King's landing and sort of taking the army's going to split, um, which I think is super intriguing because um, everyone just sort of thinks they're just going to come north, south, straight to Winterfell. So I wouldn't, you know, maybe perhaps Cersei of the Death Pools of Lannisters dying first. You know, I think you'd have to consider that. This is a really good point, especially since he has the dragon now and he can actually like travel with the dragon down there like quickly. But there's also that angle, but... Um, that's a good point by Asmodad because I thought that even before the second episode after episode one that was my theory going into episode two that everyone expects the battle to happen at Winterfell but in reality the first battle is going to be at King's Landing but yeah. now it's like it's obviously like the setup at the end of episode two is okay obviously this is like an impending battle that's going down but I think that's a good take on that would certainly be a surprise if if that went down so that could be your betting value right there i'm betting certain i've uh, actually been to king's landing so i think i know a little bit about what's going on here what's oh, yeah. uh, they, uh, what's it like it's in croatia it's uh oh, dubrovnik right yeah it's cool there's a lot of game of thrones people there so <laughs> i think i know what's going on with the night king yeah uh, hm Devereaux, who's your favorite um game of thrones character uh peter dinklage yeah he's pretty uh, uh he's pretty is he dead uh he's no he, he's still rocking nice dude that's my guy all right so he's uh he's my bet my hm Devereaux's hardcore lock of the year peter <laughs> dinklage lives <laughs> so they're saying so going to the death pools now i want to run by some of these um you could actually bet like which lannister will die first so curious to hear your take here at the skinny polish um when you bet which Lannister, when uh, sorry, which Lannister could die first? There's Cersei, Jaime, or Tyrion. One of them is a big favorite to die first, but I, I'm curious to hear your take on that. Yeah, I would say you got to go with that um, that favorite um, of what is Cersei? Is Jaime is the favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I I've heard some theories that um, um, in some kind of climactic moment, Jaime will kill Cersei. Um, oh. That's the prophecy, right? Which is the prophecy. So I just think something that's so cool about the show is that there's always like an equal and opposite reaction to everything. Like even when characters make 
you know, Jon Snow thinks he's doing something that's for the good of his people, you know, still something bad happens. You know, there's always consequences, right? And mm-hmm. I think Jamie has paid a lot of his consequences and is kind of like getting his stuff together while I think Cersei, you know, has said, you know, if winter comes, let them fight it out in the north and then we'll, you know, we'll defeat the scraps of the armies and stuff. And so I think there's been enough clues of her saying, you know, this isn't our fight. It'll never come to us that there will be consequences of her not helping fight on behalf of the humans. And I think that's what's going to happen. Right. I almost like can't see the show even like being that good. If like, you know, so many people die in season or episode three, this Sunday is like the big finale. And then you kind of move on to Cersei from that. I think it's just almost like a letdown. It's almost like taking care of the big, the big picture first and then going to like the smaller picture. Cause obviously the big picture is like the night King and everything. So I think uh, saving that towards the end is probably more likely, but who knows? So like, wouldn't uh, there, so like this is like the big, this is like the big thing, right? This is like the big battle that's coming up. That's that everything's been leading up to. Right. Yeah. This Sunday, I mean, it's like confirmed this Sunday is the big battle scene that it's like, 45 minutes or some shit it's like the it's, it's the longest battle scene in the history of tv and film and this is and like not, this, this is this is like episode three of how many this season of, of six so there's three left so like after this week so i i mean i guess that's that's the big question obviously but like what's to become like after this big battle is shouldn't that be like the last episode exactly yeah that's what i was saying so it's like almost for me like kind of harkening back to to what asmodan of the troll said how maybe there could be a battle down at King's Landing instead of the one that's set up for us, uh, like mm-hmm. an unexpected battle. But, but yeah, no, that's exactly my thinking. It's like, there's, they're set up for like, it's almost like it's set up for the next episode to be the, the penultimate episode or the last episode, but there's actually three one hour, 20 minute episodes after this week's one. Yeah. So Doug, Deuce, I think I would, there were some clues where on the showrunners, um, including Iowa writers workshop graduate DB Weiss, um, they um they said that the ending of the show will be like bittersweet. So I find it hard to believe that the entire world will be erased by the White Walkers. Um, and so I'm thinking that, you know, maybe the humans have some form of success and the rest of the show is left sort of that final power struggle of like some of the main characters. So I, I want to hear your take on this because it's, it's a prop that's like really been kind of the strangest one to me. And I've been staring in the face the past few weeks before the season started. It's still <laughs> out there. It's still out there to bend, but it's whether or not um, the, the question is, is the night King a Stark? And I, I think the actual question is, will the night King be confirmed as a Stark? And the yes is mine. I've seen the yes minus 500 and the no, you know, but right now I think I sent you guys a link. It says the yes is minus 320. And that's what the odds were as of a few days ago. But but basically, that's saying there's like a 70, 80 percent chance, according to the betting market, that the Night King is Stark. The reason why I don't want to, I mean, that's super telling to me that. But at the same time, like it's something I don't want to bet because it, there's a lot of gray area there. But I don't know if you have any take on that. Uh, at, well, at the fat, or that, I mean, at, not the fat Jewish, at the, at the skinny Polish. I, I think that that's a um, it's intriguing. But I'm also kind of curious of why people care, you know, if he's like a Stark or not, you know, because I don't think that means they can reason for the reason with them you know i think their identity is based on wiping out humanity i don't really think there's a cool like storyline of family revenge or anything like that um so you know i i think he could be but 
you know, I don't necessarily, you know, and maybe that's why, you know, maybe he wants to go in the crypts of Winterfell or something, but you know, I just crypts which are, that people which, are kind of getting, you know, I, people love a cool, you know, theory to explore it, but I just don't think it's like that relevant. Yeah, it's just like bizarre to me that, to see the odds be that crazy. And I don't know, the wording is, you know, not very specific. So if it's because the wording that I've read is, will they be confirmed as a Stark? So does the no mean that they have to be confirmed not to be a Stark or does Ooh. the no mean they're never confirmed as a Stark? That's a little bit of uncertainty there, but, but it's just eye opening to me where like the betting market says that there's an 80 to 90, whatever percent chance that, that uh, he's going to be confirmed as Stark. But obviously a lot of that's the theory of him being brand like brand is the night King, which I don't know if you got to take on that, uh, Mr. Yeah, DeVereaux, we, but, uh, we, we, but, saw, <laughs> we, saw, we saw him not, you know, we saw the transformation that it wasn't Bran, so mm-hmm. you know, in that one, one episode. But what do you what do you think Devro is who is the Night King and what does he want? What's stopping George R. R. Martin's fat ass from like walking up to a ticket booth and <laughs> cashing it, like putting a the hundred thousand dollars anonymously on what's gonna happen? The, the limits. They you can only get down like fifty or hundred bucks on most of these and like obviously like bookies talk so if any big money comes in they pull it off the board fast you can't get <laughs> yeah, down and it. if the person holding the tickets name is george rr R. martin or, <laughs> yeah. well i mean you, you could just set up a, a bavada yeah. account and bet but yeah like so so actually along those lines one i had a lot of conviction on this and i probably shouldn't have bet as much on game of thrones props but hey you know value is value even if it's perceived value but before episode one my biggest bet that i have is still in play and i'm actually worried about it. i want to hear your take on whether or not this cash is uh skinny polish but one of my biggest bets is um, Tormund Giantsbane dying before Brienne of Tarth. And I, I laid it with, I laid like minus 300 on that before mm-hmm. the first episode, just because like at the end of last season, like you don't even know if Tormund's alive, like the wall collapsed and he was inside the wall. And like, of course, like he was in the beginning of the first episode, but like it was a precarious situation for him if he was alive to start the season. So I figured it was almost, it was kind of like a free roll and like that whole love angle with them too. Like I, I didn't want to. I, I just couldn't envision a scenario where like Bran of Tarth would die before Tormund Giantsbane. But now, given the setup at the end of episode two with the impending doom of everybody, like I feel like it's a total coin flip. And I do you think that one might well, be in trouble? Yeah, well, I, think, Tormund- I think Tormund. Well, you know, will probably die because the my my guy's always been you know just a total dog. You know, he's just yeah. a total fighter, and you know he's going to go out. This you know, yeah. I mean. uh Devro, I think that he would be your favorite character. Um, he was the one who our Southside Six brethren were screaming at that Tigers fan that he looked like. <laughs> um, he's, like this, he's this Viking dude who he spent the last episode um, just sort of like he pulls up AC Slater back, you know, backwards chair style and just tells his love interest about how he just when he was a child sucked a giant's titty (laughs) which then helped make him big and strong and like that was him trying to like charm her it was like a very good scene it was really it was really good but he he also justin turner of the dodgers the uh the dodgers uh player he looks exactly like him too that's been compared many times but uh i just feel like there's more to that love story before one of them died i just have a feeling one or both is going to die this next episode I'm very concerned about who dies first, obviously, but like, I, I feel like there's gonna be that moment where like they have that, that, that love interaction and while one is dying maybe, or while, you know, someone, I can see a scenario where like Brian of Tarth dies and Tormund like goes on a fucking rampage 
right after she dies or something and like does something really important to further the battle or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah who knows i don't know if that one's gonna count i'm pretty worried about that one but um theon Greyjoy, i think is a dead man i think uh, and also so back to the point about the crypts i think the crypts is like everyone's saying oh it's so safe to go to the crypts i think uh everyone's gonna die in the crypts i think they're all gonna become zombies or whatever the dead themselves but i think that's another thing that that's going to happen the next episode. I don't know if you got any take on that. What if the Night King like resurrected all of like the dead Starks and shit and like Ned Stark was w- walking around. <laughs> and I think that'd be pretty, um, that that'd be pretty almost like cheesy. I think like, yeah. just turn into like a full horror movie. But I think there's definitely some foreshadowing of that. And, you know, I think he's a very important character, but I almost, I'm kind of a little concerned that, our sweet, sweet boy, um, what's his name? Who's the kind of um, pudgier guy? Samwell Tarly. Oh, Samwell. I'm yeah, kind of worried yeah. that, you know, he's almost sort of like the protector of, you know, people and such a big heart that, like, he might sacrifice himself to, like, you know, save children and, you know, women and stuff. So I'm kind of kind of nervous about what's going to happen. Yeah, no, same here. I just feel like those, the crypts are – people are going to be so fucked there. But um, – Let's finish up with – I want to run some like quick death – Game of Thrones death props by. We just do like rapid fire and like you could just give uh, – And if, obviously, Mr. DeVroe, if you have a take on any of these, feel free to, to chime in. But I'm going to lock these guarantees in too. Yeah. How about so, – yeah, you have – how about DeVroe? You, you go first, then I'll go after you and we'll just do okay. rapid fire of yes and no. Rapid fire. Some of these. All right. So some of these might be three-way, but um, – Okay, so which Stark will die first, Arya, Bran, or Sansa? Uh, definitely Sansa. Um, I'm going to go with Arya based on horror movie logic because um, she she smashed in the last episode. So <laughs> yeah. he lost her virginity, and now if zombies are coming, you know that's a bad that's a bad move. Yeah, she's she is the favorite of the three to die first. It's close. It's tight. Um, will Daenerys Targaryen survive the final season? Yes or no? Uh, it's a definite no. I'm going to say um, yes. All right. The no is minus 165, so the smart money agrees with uh, Mr. Devereaux there. <laughs> uh, when when will uh, Cersei Lannister perish? Episode three or four or episode five or six or does not perish? Yeah, I'm going to go does not perish because I'm a uh, optimist. She's like the uh, – well, okay, I, I respect that take. Um, I'm going to say Cersei is going to get – evil ice dragon roasted next episode so that could be the big value play of the day because i i see your reasoning there that's the that's plus 500 she's actually minus 500 to die in one of the final two episodes so i think that could be your big value play by crown harper backed by uh by asmodam <laughs> I, see, I see it um what's my what are my odds on that dying plus 400 so yeah i like that i lock that in uh, <laughs> gentle listener <laughs> All right, will will Tyrion? We already kind of touched on Tyrion, uh, Peter Dinklage. Will he survive the final season? Yes or no? Uh, yes, because um, the movie Elf sucked, and he needs a redemption story. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that one is really, really hard. I would say yes because just of his character arc, it'd be so sick if he actually like ruled the kingdoms or something at the end of um, just how like wise he is. Yeah, it's just. I- in terms of character arc, definitely for me, number one. But Theon Greyjoy, 
low key, really good character in the story as well. But uh, um, he's so Pierre Dinklage Tyrion is actually favorite to die minus one thirty mm. uh, before the or before the final episode. Or sorry, before the season ends. Um, who will perish first, Jon Snow or Bran Stark? Ooh, um, <laughs> Bran Stark because I don't like Raisin Bran, and it's the same way. Spelled <laughs> the same way. Um, I'm going to say, can you choose neither? Yeah. I mean, it's, this is just yes or no. So I think if like both don't die, they just get your money back. So if um, one is to die. Oh, I would say let's go with Bran. Um, and that, nice, and then Samwell will become the new sort of like thinker and keeper of knowledge and humanity. <laughs> uh, do uh, you see the guy that says I drink and know things? I've seen a shirt with that on it. No, that's, that's, uh, that's Tyrion. Dinklage. Ha <laughs> 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 Nice dude. Uh, Fucking, that's my personal motto. <laughs> so, um, how many people will Arya kill in the final season over under three and a half? Uh, is Arya, all right, so Arya is Asmodan's dog, um, so I'm going to say over. I'd say over two. I think there's... Oh, dude, nice. Cry Harper mind melt. Even with um, some characters taking the L in the next, you know, if, even if she was to, you know, perish at the Battle of Winterfell, they're going to give, like, our star characters some decent, you know, zombie kills before anything happens to them. Which dragon will be destroyed next? Rhaegal, Undead Viserion, or Droga? Dude, this show is so fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the third one. Drogon? Yeah, yeah dude, that, that's, that's my guy. You said the first one? To yeah, for, yeah, which dragon will be destroyed first? Um, I think, unfortunately, the um, smaller good one. I think that's Rhaegal. Um, he's the favorite. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like both going to like tag team the zombie one. And then Drogon is like the biggest and we'll keep going. I got another good one for you here, uh, Mr. Devereaux. What, what will Bran <laughs> warg into next? A raven, a dragon, a wolf, other, or a human? Uh, so he's not a human, right? I don't even know what that word is. What does that mean? He basically like imagine um, – Taking over someone else's body, basically, like taking over their brain and becoming them. Uh-huh. Um, and what are my options? Ra- Ra- Raven, dragon, wolf, other, or human. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go uh, wolf. <laughs> um, he works into Josh Rosen. Um, <laughs> he uh, works into a dragon. I like that one. That the ice be, dragon or something. So, Raven's the favorite, but dragon's the second favorite. Could be a good value. Because I agree, that's a that's a really good angle there. All right, let's finish up with the two big ones that you've been able to bet all along. Who is the first one to die? Because surprisingly, the first two episodes, we have not had any major deaths at all. And then who will be ruling Westeros at the end Ooh. of the final season? Um Mr. DeVore, I'll give you some names here so you have some yeah. to work off here. Uh, I got to dig it up here, though. Okay, yeah, so I know, uh, so the second question is who was who's going to be the king at the end? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, who's going to rule Westeros? Who's going to set okay. the Iron Throne? So I'm going to say Jon Snow because I know that guy's name. So what's the, just give me some names for the second one. 
Uh, so for who dies first, some of yeah. like the, the biggest ones are obviously Torment, uh, Giants Bane. We have Brienne of Tarth. We have Theon Greyjoy. Um, I'm gonna say uh, Brienne of Tarth. That's mine. Um, Brienne of Tarth. And I want you to, Kate, I, I, I should have been writing these down because if any of these are right or if I pick better than you, <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to feel like a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, that could be the case. I mean, fuck, I hope your brand of Tarth one does not happen, though. But uh, but yeah, we have the, the favorite right now is is uh, Theon Greyjoy, Tormund, and Jamie Lannister is up there as well, as well as one of my favorites, uh, Jorah Mormont. So I don't know. So what, what about you, uh? Mr. Skinny um, Polish. Can you put money down on a gray worm? Oh, good call. Yeah, gray worm's a dead man walking. For yeah. sure. Um, uh, he's kind of like the leader yeah, of Daenerys' cool. army. And he had a um, uh, sort of an exchange with his extremely gorgeous love interest where he was oh. like, after this war, we're going to go on vacation. But he can't. Just you and me. He can't it fuck was like, He can't fuck. It was like the... The Mc, McBain episode where like his partner is going to retire tomorrow. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> like, the front, you know, he's obviously been a, a hero for a long time. He's like the front line general. I think if you're you're talking about the making the plans after, then mm-hmm. that's that would be my number one first to die. So that's actually that's a great point, and I think he is dead man walking, especially like the way that. But I actually can't find him on the the list here so maybe he's not even included as part of the pool which is obviously yeah. an indi- I'd put um, then Brienne if I had to choose an answer then that's on there fuck I hope you guys are wrong on your Brienne prediction otherwise I'm gonna lose yeah. <laughs> fucking two units on Brienne of Tarth dying <laughs> um, and what about the winner of uh, or sorry the, the ruler of Westeros at the end of season 8 what do you got Um, sorry go ahead uh, Devro I already said Jon Snow man Got snow. Oh, um, my take is um, it's going to be Tyrion um, because um, Jon Snow and Daenerys or something um, will, or Jon Snow would be in line to rule, but he he realizes that he doesn't like being the ruler and he likes being like a more of a protector, and so he'll ask Tyrion, who has that political mind, to rule instead. I like it. So the just so you guys know the betting market right now, according to Bet Online, um, Jon Snow is the favorite plus three fifty, oh, nice. um, Tyrion plus four fifty, Sansa plus four fifty, Gen- Gendry's down to five to one. Wow, really? that's actually interesting okay. there. What anyway? Yeah, then Arya's eight to one. What scenario? All right, so there's what five episodes left or uh, four? Four episodes left. Okay. So what would have like what would have um, what scenario would be the worst for you guys? Like what would ha- like what would make the show like super disappointing? Because I'm thinking like I, I after watching it like The Sopranos, like my favorite show. After watching that, like I, I didn't uh, I didn't watch it as it was out, um, and so I had seen like the the ending and how everyone was upset about it before I even started watching the show. Um, and kind of that helped me enjoy it a little bit more because I kind of knew that was happening. And then, you know, you kind of pick up on all the like context clues and you can have your own theories and everything. But I think overwhelmingly people didn't like the way that the show ended, but like just that last episode. But like, can you guys think of a scenario where like the writers just fuck it up and it's just not satisfying to you guys? Go ahead, skinny Polish. Um, I would feel a little disappointed if, um, you know, the, 
one of the things that makes made the show so good is it was always like 20% fantasy and then 80%, you know, really cool storylines and brutality and acting. And if, you know, we always knew that quote unquote winter was coming, but if truly like 80% of the characters die in like a zombie attack, it just kind of seems like a little abrupt, like oddly cruel and like, I don't know, sort of like impersonal. Like I knew it would happen, but like if almost everything that all the cool storylines of all the, you know, past years and years happening just to like, you know, end with two characters that we like are still trying to like fight for the throne would be a little anticlimactic. Um, so that'd be something that'd be like a disappointment to me. I would like if they kind of figured out this like Night King's army threat within the next episode or two, and then actually sort of try to figure out a true, you know, like Game of Thrones, you know, who's ruling the, th- the human type stories to like end the season. Interesting. I, so what if winter was just like, uh, what if it was just a dream? I mean, that's, that George R. R. Martin really, wakes up and just wanks off again. <laughs> you know, which would be pretty. That would be very disappointing if, like, it was just a vision or something. Yeah, it was in our minds all along. <laughs> the true throne was the friendships we made along the way. Yeah, so, so not, not to be cliche, but like that's kind of my take, though. Like the the fun part has been like the ride and all the character development and everything. And I feel like the last episode was such a big payoff because we finally got to see like all these main characters that we kind of like the good characters, quote unquote, that we've been rooting for, at least that the show has been like kind of crafting for us to root for more. They're all together now, kind of like defending the realm. And I feel like they're totally set up just to kill a shit ton of people. This next episode, I think it was, there's so many like kind of full circle moments. The last episode where like, like Bran of Tarth getting knighted, and like you know, people being reunited together for the first time. Uh, what's her name? Losing her V card, uh, Arya. So like, I think they're set up to like lose a lot of these characters, but you make an interesting point there, uh, Mr. S- uh, the skinny Polish about whether or not they're going to kind of tidy up the throne stuff after or before dealing with like the, the whole, you know, dying night King thing. So for me, I think I'll be disappointed if they kind of just take the safe route, you know, like, which I, I would say, would be probably Jon Snow being the king at the end or whatever, sitting on the Iron Throne. I think that might be a bit of a cop-out. I don't think they'll do that, but there's ways for them to do that that will be disappointing. So I think, for me, like it's almost impossible to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But I, think it's, I think it's still kind of fucking up, though. I don't think they will. Hmm. You never no. know. Now, if there's one thing we've learned from the show, though, it's like anything you, anytime you expect something to happen, it's not going to happen. So Yeah. You know. Do they still have, like, hecka fucking scenes in this? Um, it's, it's kind of like toned down recently, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, there was like a weird moment where like the ice, ki- the night King was just masturbating. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, aggr- aggressively. Like, yeah. <laughs> but also like <laughs> the, uh, there was, what was it? There's like a recent episode. Oh yeah. What's his name? One of my favorite characters. And I know this is Asmodan's favorite character, but Braun, he, he did some fucking this season. I think he was like with like three or four girls at the same time. So I think they had some strong sexual content in there. That's always one of my favorite things at the start of the episode. If you get that strong sexual content uh, along with the nudity, you know, the warning oh, yeah. from HBO, that you're, no, you're in store for some good shit. But I'm always really disappointed when it only says nudity or just strong language. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
I think uh, uh, is that terrible King Joffrey gets what's coming to him. You know, I think I'll be uh, satisfied. Yeah, uh, Joffrey's long gone, man. Oh, uh, dude! Spoiler. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's good. That's a good way to end it, though, with the Game of Thrones predictions. I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to touch on here. Oh yeah, really quick, Bears, Bears season win predictions. What, what do you guys got? They play sixteen games. The season mm-hmm. win total is nine and a half right now. Consensus, uh, if you want to bet on their season wins, what do, what do you guys got for um, Bears season prediction? Um, I'm going to say ten and six. Um, they're going to be like a, a better, more consistent team. But of course their schedule's pretty hard and the NFC's popping off. So I think we're going to see another playoff team. I don't think they win the division, unfortunately, but there'll be a wild card team and maybe even win a game. Hmm. Uh, 11 and five. I think they do win the division. Uh, but I think, uh, I'm, I'm, I just brought up the schedule now. Uh, yeah, it's a fucking hard schedule. Yeah, especially at the end, it's bad. I think those the second and third games on the road. I was taking a peek at it before. I think those are going to completely determine the season. Those first the those last road games in the second and third weeks because those are like against shittier teams, quote unquote. Um, Dude, the last four, last four games are home against Cowboys at Lambeau. Home against the Chiefs and then at Minnesota. Yeah, that's dude. I think Minnesota fucking. I, I bet Minnesota. I bet Minnesota fucking sucks this year. Even though I'm going to draft Alvin Cook again because they got those <laughs> uh, offensive linemen. But I think that I think they fucking suck again. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I mean, Kirk Cousins is just truly so so lame and just can't doesn't have that clutch gene. I think the Packers are fucking shit up right now. My personal take on their draft so far, but. Which game? To tell. The game. Uh, which games in London? Who are they play there? Um, they're playing the Raiders. That's week six, I believe, or week five. Yeah, I wonder if uh, just kind of on like a beeline tangent there. Do like Raiders fans ex- like are those fans traveling with the team like to like staying fans of the team in Vegas? Do you think? That's a good point. I I think that there's a lot of Vegas fans for uh, Raiders fans in Vegas just because they've had like that. I think they're like that one exception, like to like the normal team, or like they have like those really hardcore, yeah, like lo- loyalist fans that like you know, still live in LA and stuff. So I think there's like a lot of those in, in Vegas as well. I think they're people are taking kindly to them. I saw like the, after the first shot of the draft, they had like you know cameras at bars throughout the country. And the camera that they had at the Vegas bar was like there was like six people in it, and it looked fucking. Yeah, yeah was it for like for the hockey or, or something like that too? I think there's like I saw some kind of like live feed of like of a bar during like a big Golden Knights game, but they they've been taken kindly to the Golden Knights there too. So I don't know if that's just like a a Raiders thing or if it's like a if it's something. Well, else. I mean, I like know. I I agree that they like take kindly to it, but I I just don't see. Like, people will go to the games because it's, like, a thing to do in Las Vegas, you know? But I'm just curious if, like, the actual, like, hardcore crazy fans that go to these games in Oakland or, like you said, in L.A. would, like, uh, would travel with the team. But who gives a shit? I don't know. Yeah, well, as long as the tickets are cheap enough for us, uh, for the three of us when we're going to Vegas, what will that be in, like, six years now? We got kind of shitty that the Bears are playing them uh, in a quote-unquote road game the year before they move to Vegas because I think we have to wait like six years now until the Bears visit Vegas. But I think they could always randomly add them in the schedule because the Bears, you know, you know how they switch that off, like the AFC West, AFC East, so mm-hmm. you play like one each year, yeah. which kind of sucks I think we'll be due to host Oakland next time. But I think the schedule makers can't ignore the potential revenue 
coming. You know, for Chicago people traveling to Vegas. So hopefully we'll get that in the next few years. Or in, uh, in advance of the future Mrs. Doggy Juice, we can uh, go to London this year, as was discussed, for a certain bachelor party. Well, that's we can talk about that off air. I'm very keen on going. <laughs> very keen on going, mate. But, uh, Word. All right, dudes. Well, yeah, that was really fun. Thanks for coming on the pod. That was fucking long as shit. So I might just when I edit this out, I might just release it as its own thing. But uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. It was, it was about fucking. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. Follow Cron Harper. That's Cron Harper at Cron Harper, baby. Let's do it. We'll see how many well, you can get a good idea of how many metrics um, your your followers <laughs> metrics depend depending on how many people start following us after this. <laughs> the problem is, I think like majority of my listeners already follow you, but whatever. That's <laughs> um, true. Unless you follow like massive clouds for twenty sixty nine, I dude, think <laughs> they might already follow us. Dude, mm-hmm. uh, one of my big fans, Mr. Smokeweed's going to follow you guys after this week. <laughs> shout, shout out to Mr. Smokeweed. It's just dicky. <laughs> don't forget to not. Don't hang up, boys. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right, dudes. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate yeah, it. We'll see you, man. All right. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thank you to H.M. Devereaux and At The Skinny Polish for coming on the pod. That was a whole lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Thank you very much for listening. And follow me, as usual, on Twitter at Doggy Juice and also Instagram at Doggy Juice. And I'll be back this week with another podcast looking at the Kentucky Derby and some other events going on. We'll take a look at the, the NBA playoff developments and some other things as well. These are exciting times for sports betting, and I will keep you all posted with another podcast coming up. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>